It's notable to me that alongside unfaithfulness, anger, money, and divorce, Jesus comments on worry in the Sermon on the Mount. We often think of anxiety as a uniquely contemporary problem. Statistics and our anecdotal knowledge confirm that we do live in a particularly anxious age, pandemic or no. But that Jesus touches on the topic here in Matthew 6 suggests that the phenomenon is not exclusively modern. In Jesus' day, in a largely agrarian society, worry and anxiety were present. The phenomenon did not begin with the smartphone. It's not a contemporary problem, but a human one, uniquely so. I read recently how horoscope websites have seen a significant rise in traffic during the coronavirus. Multiple think pieces have been written regarding our struggles with the overwhelming uncertainty of this season. Will I or my loved ones get sick? Am am I going to lose my job? How can I make any kind of plans for the future? And in the middle of that, wait, are, are there UFOs now? Human beings are aware of the future and uncertainties in a way that no other of God's creatures are, or none that we know of. The birds and the flowers don't have the same awareness, that future concern that Lisa talked about. Don't suffer under the same weight. Now, it's important to note here that Jesus is not teaching that carelessness, apathy, or self-indulgence are more holy postures somehow. There are all kinds of passages in the Bible that commend diligence, perseverance, and care for the life that God has given us. Neither are Jesus' words here speaking directly to the phenomenon of anxiety disorders and post-traumatic stress. I recently heard of a Christian man relate his experience from a, a terrible car accident decades ago. To this day, when he drives through the intersection where the accident happened, he has this physiological response associated with the trauma he experienced. He feels it. That's not a failure of faith in the way that Jesus names here. But Jesus here is unequivocal. Do not worry. It's a command. For the follower of Jesus on the way of the cross with him, anxious care is not an option. Nick's sermon last week on being salt and light came to my mind as I prepared this week. So much of the attractiveness, the preservative quality of being salt and light, I think is related to being a non-anxious presence in an uncertain world. The therefore that opens our reading in Matthew 6 connects these comments regarding worry with Jesus' teaching regarding money in the preceding verses. Serving money as a master, living a life oriented toward material gain, the storing up of treasure. The worries Jesus names here as associated with food, drink, and clothing are the fruit of a life directed toward material things. Not bad things, even necessary and needed things, but with this blinkered perspective. They're not the end toward which we live. The worry Jesus identifies is a product of running after, as verse 32 puts it, these material things. That verb, run after, is the same one used in verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and righteousness, 
orient your life to these ends. But the word in verse 32 is strengthened, running after. It captures this kind of frenetic pursuit, pulled in all kinds of directions by lesser and insufficient things. It's the opposite of the grounded kind of life that Lisa described. In a luxury society such as our own, the pull of such material orientation is subtle and powerful. The entire advertising industry is built, of course, around the notion of felt needs, creating a sense of desire and lack, producing the perception that I need more than what I have that my well-being, my flourishing can be accomplished by material ends. During this season at our house, we've been watching TV on a flat screen for the first time. Previously, if we watched something, we watched it on a laptop. But this season, we've borrowed one of the screens used normally here in the garden at church. Don't tell anyone. And it's been great. It will be difficult to go back. What once felt like a luxury so easily becomes a necessity. And that same process happens in our lives, is encouraged in our lives all the time, multiplied and compounded. Part of what Jesus is teaching here is that this movement of a life oriented toward material things alone is actually a devaluing of the life we have, a devaluing of ourselves. We are more valuable and made for far more. The command to not worry, the command to seek his kingdom and righteousness is a command to a richer and fuller way of being, a higher dignity. The command against worry has these two supporting commands, you'll notice. Look and see. Verse 26, look at the birds. And verse 28, see the flowers. Both these words have the sense of moving your eyes, of observing well. There's a physicality and intentionality to them. Not glance or notice, but look and see, consider and observe. Attend to these small things. I was on a Zoom call recently, weren't we all? where a number of people all commented that getting outside, even in a limited way in this season, has become this essential activity, a grounding experience. That's not surprising, but it's striking that getting into a space where we are not master, where we're smaller and less predominant, is grounding and a blessing to us. A few years ago, in a difficult season of life, our family was in the Yukon visiting Shannon's family, and we visited the small town of Carcross. Located between Bennett and Nares Lakes, Carcross is surrounded by these mountains that swoop right down to the level of the lake. It's remarkable. And I remember being there and marveling at the landscape, yes, but more than that, marveling at the way I could tell I could feel As I took this in, my soul was being nurtured, ministered to by that landscape. There was something profoundly restorative about being in that expansive space where I was small and was reminded of things older and greater than myself and my concerns. Contrast that sense of being grounded in the outdoors 
with our experience of reality as mediated by screens. A writer recently commented that being on the computer or phone can make us come to think that the entirety of life is comprised within these devices, under our control and mastery, where our concerns, our action or inaction, are the most important things. An article on the site Vox this week was headlined, How to Run the World Remotely. That aspiration is a certain recipe for worry and anxious concern, for an ungrounded life. That way, madness lies. Look to the birds, though they are less lowly, or though though they are lowly and less valuable than you. Look to the flowers who produce nothing and are so fleeting. Yet these two are provided for. They know, they embody something we so easily forget. We have a father. Our lives, our concerns, and material needs unfold in the context of the Father's creating, sustaining, and his ruling of the world. As Bishop Todd taught a few weeks ago, as Lisa reiterated, we live in the care of another. The word heavenly that Jesus uses suggests perhaps a father who's far off, who's ethereal, not close or concerned with the material necessities. But think rather of that word as meaning at the controls. Read heavenly father as the father who is on the throne. Our father who art in control. A father who values you greatly. The idea of father clearly connects to God as creator. God's the father of all things. But it's more particular, specific than that too. To have God as father is to share in the relationship that Jesus has with him. It's to be known and named as beloved in the way that Jesus is. Highly favored, highly valued. In our acceptance of Jesus and all that he does for us, we become the children of God, treasured. In Jesus, we find the life for which we were made. In him, our most pressing needs are met. In him, we see the high value God has for us. Such is God's valuation of you that he willingly gave of himself that you might have life. How much more, then, is he willing and able to abundantly provide all that you need to eat, to drink, to wear, and beyond? It's with this truth, God as our heavenly father in mind, that Jesus commands us to consider the flowers, the birds. Look to creation around you. If there is one very basic remedy, one practical encouragement I have for you, it's to take seriously this command of Jesus. It's not magic. It might seem too simple. It might seem too small. But do this today. This week, go outside and look, even just for a few moments. Be still, ask that this truth be revealed, and put yourself in a place to be reminded that you and all creation have a heavenly Father. The world is not yours to rule or manage, and that is so very good. As the song goes, 
This is your father's world. I have one last thing I want to say. As someone who has struggled and does wrestle with worry and anxiety, it's bracing to read these verses, to hear Jesus' command, do not worry. Perhaps you feel the same sting. Jesus does not coddle us in our anxiety. Look and see, he says. Seek the kingdom and righteousness, you of little faith. He does not coddle. But neither does he walk away. Jesus uses that phrase, you of little faith, in a a couple of other spots in the Gospel of Matthew. Famously in chapter 8 with the stilling of the storm. Also in Matthew 14, again at sea in storm, this time with Peter. Walking on the water, Peter has begun to sink. Taken by worry over the wind and the waves. And in his anxiety, all he can do is call out, save me. This is the beginning of seeking the kingdom. He's as helpless as the flowers of the field. And the gospel says, and the gospel is, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Do not worry. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. And when worry and anxiety over the material things of life gets the best of you and you begin to sink, look and see. Call on him for the first time or like me, the hundredth, and know his saving embrace. Not coddling, but laying hold of you. You of little faith. He does not let go. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy upon us, worriers. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.